Good morning. I hope everyone had a nice Easter. You remember Easter was last week. Feels like it was a month ago. I was in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan near Marquette visiting my daughter. And it snowed every day except Easter. I drove back. It's a seven-hour trip. It snowed six out of seven hours. So, Bob, when I hear you say you're going to put the windows in before the snow flies, you might have about 15 minutes, because I don't know when it's ever going to stop. Hopefully soon. Maybe we should have all gone with Pastor Greg down to Florida. That would have been the thing to do. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 is a very familiar passage. We're going to see if we can open it up for you a little bit more and give you some additional insights. You would turn there in your Bibles, please. It begins, when Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourselves to the priest. Offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. May the Lord bless this reading of his holy word. Let's pray as we look into this passage. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We pray that as we read it and study it, Your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our minds and our hearts, that we would absorb your truth, and that we would be able to apply it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the heading in my Bible, and it might be similar in yours, says, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Well, that's who he was at that moment. But I have to wonder, who was he? Once upon a time. Maybe. Maybe he was a produce merchant who would open up his shop early in the morning. His wife would join him and help him sell and while the kids were playing in the back. Maybe he was a farmer who would stop on a hot day and wipe his brow Sweat was pouring down. He'd look up and see his family coming toward him, bringing him his lunch. Maybe he was a skilled craftsman, someone with a reputation of of being honest and fair in the work he did. At the end of the day, his kids would come and help him sweep up his shop. He's probably just an average guy whose world suddenly fell apart. 
What started out as a rash began to turn into an open, oozing sore, and so he took careful not to be with his family. He began to sleep on the roof of his house outside during the night. And then finally, one day, he, he realized that it wasn't responding to home remedies, so he talked to a local healer who gave him the bad news, leprosy. At that moment, you can imagine the color drains from his wife's face as his kids become confused and start crying as, as their father walks away with just the clothes on his back. This man is numb. He has no idea where he's going as he tries to process this terrible news. That's when the average hardworking man that he is joins the ranks of the original walking dead. Men and women plagued by the horrible disease of leprosy that leads to a lifetime of social isolation, physical disfigurement, and never-ending pain. It's been said that misery loves company. Maybe that's why lepers tend to congregate. Not that they could help or support each other very much. They can't. Was there strength in numbers? Well, not in this bunch. Probably the only thing they could do was keep each other company. They stayed together since no one else wanted them around. The healthy masses made sure that this diseased-ridden bunch, no one keep their place. Out of sight, out of mind, and certainly out of reach. In fact, by law, lepers needed to keep 16 feet a distance of 16 feet between them and anyone else. They would have to cry out saying, unclean, unclean, to warn people who were coming. They would even wear bells sometimes as kind of an alarm system. Now, occasionally a kind soul would leave food outside of the, of the town for the lepers, but eating and drinking is, is never easy, especially with sores on your lips and inside your mouth. Besides, handling food is, is difficult with clawed hands due to muscle and nerve damage. Usually, the local inhabitants chase lepers away. But it's hard to run when all you can do is hobble using a tree branch for a cane or a crutch. Harder still to feel the pain of rejection. It comes like a thud on the back when they throw rocks at you to chase you away. Even the animals keep their distance. Uh, they pick up the smell of disease and the stench of decay. This is hardly a life worth living. An unbearable existence void of family, friends, and hope. Imagine, if you can, their final goodbye. The leper's wife brings the children to the edge of town. They stand a safe distance from this diseased man. But, but this diseased man is daddy. So the kids want to run up and hug him. They haven't seen him for a while, and, and they miss him. But this mother maintains a strong grip on her children. 
She can't possibly let them go. If they come in contact with the father, they could contract the disease. Still, the kids squirm and they squeal, trying to break three. Tears are running down the wife's face. Finally, in desperation, she turns and walks away. The kids are still tugging. The little boy goes limp in protest. She scoops him up, and he looks over his mother's shoulder as they walk away, and he calls out, Daddy, and waves kind of a a weak wave. Sometimes disease does more than damage the body. It can also drain the human heart of hope. So with this imaginary backstory in place, the encounter between Jesus and the leper unfolds in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of his towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now it sounds like this is a chance encounter, doesn't it? But was it unscheduled? Hardly. It was as coincidental as Jesus choosing Peter's boat as a pulpit. As random as Christ standing and waiting for the woman at the well. As accidental as the thief turning to the Savior on the cross. As unintended as the risen Savior chasing down the two disciples on the Emmaus road. You see, Proverbs 16.9 makes it clear. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And God is always seeking to draw us to himself. Now, as the Savior encounters the diseased man, his condition is described consistently in any version you might look at. First of all, we don't know how long he was sick, but we do know that he was entombed in this all-consuming disease. He is described as covered with leprosy, having an advanced case of leprosy, experiencing disease all over his body, washed in pain and suffering because he was full of leprosy. Now, all these descriptions underscore the fact that this man is buried beneath a full-blown epidemic within and upon his body. And the horror of this disease has transformed him into a hideous creature with deformed features. This could be why he does what he does when he approaches Jesus. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now we're told that surprisingly, Jesus reaches out and touches the man. Clearly there wasn't 16 feet between him and the Savior. Can you imagine what must have happened as this man stepped forward? The disciples were probably climbing over each other, trying to get back and get away. But Jesus never backs up. No matter what we've done, where we've been, or what we've become, Jesus steps us to meet us exactly where we are. 
Nothing prevents God from finding us, saving us, and loving us. And the Savior steps up the same way he steps down into this mess of a world. For this reason, Christ allows himself to be raised up on the cross as a symbol of healing and hope that delivers salvation to anyone who believes. Are you plagued with something that troubles you? Jesus can heal you. Maybe you're being held captive by the horror of certain habits. Jesus can set you free. However, it won't happen randomly, but intentionally. We must be a willing participant in this process. The Lord will never force himself on us. But God always wants us to want him. And that's exactly what the leper does. He reaches out, he cries out, he pleads, and he asks believing. And that's why Jesus responds. This is where it gets a little tricky. We should be mindful that our prayers should never be expectations seasoned with the belief that God will do exactly what we want when we request it. Lord, I need this now, in this way, and I need it ASAP. Look closely at what the leper says in verse 12. He says, Lord... If you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, there's no doubt in the leper's mind that Jesus can heal him, but he doesn't assume that Christ is willing to do so. This seems kind of strange, doesn't it? But it raises the question, how open-ended are our prayers? Are they contingent upon the Lord giving us exactly what we need and want? Or are we willing to pray, Lord, I know you are able, but I'm not sure you're willing. But even if you're not, I'm okay with that. Not easy to pray that way. Since it reminds us that God's plans and God's ways are certainly not ours. I was recently ministering to an inmate named Bob. Bob was charged with a very serious crime. He murdered his wife. This encounter with him was difficult. He wasn't very trusting. It took me a while to build some rapport. And it had an unusual twist. You see, Bob is dying of stage four throat cancer. Hospice is already involved. Bob can't be released on a mercy release due to the seriousness of his crime. I visited him almost every day in the infirmary. Gradually, as I built trust, I began to read scripture to him. And then I began to explain that scripture to him. But Bob had a hard time communicating. 
See, his face is bright red, and one eye is swollen shut. His lips are bloated and ready to burst. They slide in opposite directions, distorting his face. There's a gap on the right side of his mouth that frequently erupts with a spray of saliva. His neck muscles are so weak that Bob has to hold his head up with one hand. It's not easy to look at Bob. But we must strive to look past human weakness in order to get a glimpse of someone's soul. That's what Jesus did. Well, the last time I talked with Bob, I shared with him about Genesis 3, I mean John 3, the story of Nicodemus. You must be born again. He was very receptive. And I said, Bob, do you want me to bring a Bible when I come back tomorrow? And he said, sure. Well, I came back the next day with Bible in hand only to discover that Bob had been moved out of our facility. He went to another jail where they had a full-time hospice unit. I'm sure he'll get better care. But I have to tell you, I was disappointed. I had invested a lot of time and a lot of prayer in Bob. I had other people praying for his salvation. But I guess the Lord wasn't willing to save him. At least not willing to do it my way. That's why we have to pray open-ended prayers. Not my will, Lord but yours be done. God is always able, but sometimes he does things differently, at least not when and how we want. In the Old Testament, and you know this story very well, three young Israelites in Babylonian captivity find this out the hard way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the story is in Daniel 3, are being held captive, and the king of Babylon builds this golden statue. And he requires that everyone bow down and worship it. Well, these young men decide, no, they're not going to do it. And King Nebuchadnezzar is outraged. He threatens to throw them into the fiery furnace if they don't comply. Listen carefully to their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the Lord will, we serve is able to deliver us from it, and we will be delivered from your majesty's hand. Now listen to these next couple words. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Are you willing to accept that God is always able, but not always willing? Can you live with and accept those times when the Lord God does not give you what you want, does not help you when you ask, does not spare you from the trauma of this life? God is not always willing to spare us from the pain and suffering that we go through almost every day. You see, the truth of the matter was, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not spared from the fiery furnace. They were saved in the fiery furnace. Daniel was not saved from the lion's den. He was saved in the lion's den. Trouble is not an indication of God's neglect. Trouble is a sure sign of God's participation. Sometimes you've got to feel the fire's heat or the hot breath of the lion on the back of your neck before you can experience victory. There are no shortcuts in life because the Lord God uses every experience you have, good or bad. He takes it and he uses it. Nothing is ever wasted. And the Lord takes your trauma and he turns it into triumph. Here's another passage in Scripture, Isaiah 42, verses 2 and 3. We all wish wasn't there, but listen carefully. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see, the only way to get through something is to go through it. Avoidance never works. Avoidance is like running to an exit door only to find it locked. And it forces you to turn around and look at that thing that's standing in the room with you. What's in the room with you this morning? What is it? Rest assured that Jesus Christ is in there with you. Jesus will never desert or disown you. He will help you through whatever you're facing. Now in verse 13, we are treated to the dramatic moment, the moment of the miraculous healing. Jesus reaches out and he touches the man. Now, why did Jesus touch the leper? He didn't have to. He's done healings before with people who are a distance away. Well, this is what the Lord God does, you see. He reaches down into the sewer of our existence, reclaiming us, cleansing us, changing us so that we can become new creatures in Christ. And let's not forget, we, we don't know how long this man had been sick or how long it had been since he was touched. And the weight of Christ's hand on his shoulder signaled the beginning of his reentry into society. He was getting his life back, and the hand on Christ on his shoulder had to feel good. Now, the word touch really doesn't give us the full picture. In the original language, it means to hug, to embrace, which is pretty extraordinary. Jesus is willing to put himself at risk, not to the disease, but risking what other people might think if he embraces a leper. You see, Jesus was always accused of associating with the so-called misfits and the public outcasts who were displaced and disrespected 
those whom society label a lost cause. Jesus called them the least of these. You know anybody like that? Do you understand that those people are Christ's specialty? It's a wonderful picture. Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. You see, this healing wasn't gradual. It was instantaneous. Each and every sore that was there before wasn't there anymore. If there were missing fingers and toes, or maybe even a nose, they reappeared right where they should have been. Bones are strengthened. Muscles are fused with renewed vitality. The smell of disease and the stench of decay are gone. Then the man who had been face down on the ground stands up, stands tall, stands ready to embrace his life. I, I do find it interesting that there's no reaction or involvement from the disciples through this entire process. They are way back. They don't want any part of this. Sometimes that's the posture we take. We don't want to get close to that person or bother ourselves with this difficult individual over here. And I'm sure you have them in your life, people you avoid people that you would rather just pretend like they're not there, co-worker, a neighbor, maybe even a family member. Jesus then orders the man, don't tell anyone, but go show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded you for cleansing as a testimony to them. There were very specific steps that the law required if you had some kind of physical ailment that had to be inspected so that you could be reinstated. Lepers, for example, had to shave their heads, their beards, and their eyebrows. They had to wash. They had to change their clothes. They had to wash again. And then they had to offer sacrifices in the temple. Why did Jesus put this guy through all these ritualistic hoops? What was the point? The point is, is the last five words in that passage in verse 14. As a testimony to them. Jesus was using this healing miracle to reach the priest in the temple. Christ never gave up on them, even though they never gave him a chance. Jesus was trying to open their hearts and minds, but they fought him every step of the way. Christ wanted to give them life, but their answer to him was death. Jesus proves that being right 
will not keep you off the cross. Trouble will come, but remember, trouble is not an indication of God's neglect. Trouble is a sure sign of God's participation in whatever you're facing. God's answer to this troubled world is Calvary's cross, the ultimate act of divine participation that changes the course of human history. But what about our friend? the former leper. I got him standing outside the door of his house. You can only imagine his hands are sweaty. His stomach is churning. He can hear his kids on the inside. His wife saying, take it easy, calm down. So he reaches down and he grabs the handle of the door and he pushes it open. And he walks in. Three heads turn as he steps in. His wife and kids look up and they are shocked. They are in total disbelief. And this is when he might have said just two words. Daddy's home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's hard for us to hear and even accept the fact that we know you are able, but not, you are not always willing to do things our way, answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered. Help us, Lord, to be more pliable, more willing to accept what you have for us as the best. You only give us your best all the time, but sometimes we have a hard time receiving that. Help us, Lord, to open ourselves up to your leading and the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Help us to live lives that are firmly and consistently committed to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks.